Hi, confidants. It's your girl, Father Longlegs. Um, what even is life anymore? I do feel like these intros have gotten much more devolved into me spiraling, um, just whispering into a void, like King Midas when he dug a hole in the ground and whispered his secrets, and um, the all, the wind blew them back. Do you guys remember that myth? I feel like most people think of King Midas as King Midas with the golden touch, but King Midas also had ass ears. And, oh, it wasn't him, it was his hair cutter. Yeah, okay, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, look it up so you know I'm not crazy. But his, um, you know how he had ass ears, donkey ears, and his hair cutter, um, when he cut his hair, saw them, and he said, don't tell anyone. And then his hair cutter went and dug a hole and whispered that he had ass ears into the <laughs> into the hole. <laughs> And that's why the wind sounds like it's whispering ass. I swear to God, this is a myth. Um, it's from memory, so I might be totally butchering it. Anyways, point being, isolation has truly gotten to me. Um, so I'm going to really try to just keep this intro super short because the more I talk, the more crazy I become. This episode um, does have a disclaimer, which is I recorded this on Instagram live, sort of. We tried. My guest is so wonderful. I saw him uh, post that he wanted to do collabs on Instagram Live, and we met at a film festival last year, and he's so talented, and I think he's so cool. So I was like, let's do it. Turns out everybody's trying to do live, obviously. Wi-Fi really turned its back on me. It didn't work. So the beginning of this pod, you'll hear a little bit of that. Um, I did try to cut out as much of the technical difficulties as possible. I think I edited it to a point where it's fairly smooth but you will see there is some amateur audio recording in that like here and there you'll hear sort of an echo so I'm sorry if you're the kind of person who gets bugged by that you might want to skip this I feel that the content and the conversation is interesting and that you can get through it I have faith in you but you know don't at me if you if you're not into that that technical difficulty thing I get it fair enough it will not happen again um I fixed it. I know how to fix it. Okay, you don't need to send me a long email explaining. Um, but I know it's like that. But I also really liked our conversation. And so I, I'm putting this episode out. I made the executive decision. Um, so my guest is Drama Del Rosario. Um, please go check out his short films. They are, are online. I believe at the time of this posting, um, he has released a new one. So go check out his website. Go ch- I'm going to tag him in the description. Uh, so go check that out. Um, very talented young documentary filmmaker on the rise. Already risen, but even more on the rise. And just look out for him. Okay, that was my disclaimer. Um, and then I also want to tell you, I'm still hosting at Comedy Quarantine. <laughs> I put that at in there because that's how I wrote it. That's how tired I am. I'm hosting the Comedy Quarantine live stream comedy showcase Monday through Friday. I rotate with my co-host Babs Gray, who's also been a guest on this podcast. Um, it's on the account at Comedy Quarantine. It's exactly like it sounds. It's a comedy showcase with working stand-up comedians. So these are people who are vets, have been doing this for a while. Um, and we just try to bring a little bit of humor and entertainment to this weird-ass time. And so that's 7 p.m. Pacific time every Monday through Friday, you know, obviously until the news changes or whatever. Again, I have a Discord. I do see every time I announce it, a few more people join, and that's lovely. I really do 
like hearing from you guys and you guys can talk to each other too i don't know if you want to i don't know what co- the confidants on this podcast like i don't know what you guys are looking for but i like talking to you i like hearing from you so you can always reach out to me tell me anything pod at gmail.com or at me at larissa t you know you know the drill um okay i also wanted to say one more thing i was um i know there's like so many charities to do- donate to in so many different ways to contribute so whatever you're doing even if it's just taking care of yourself that's important but since I do have a little bit of, um, you know, I have your ear right now. Um, I heard on the radio that Red Cross is having a really hard time with blood donors. So that's just something to think about. You know, I think there's a lot of charities collecting money and goods. Um, but that's something that I didn't think about. So I'm going to make an appointment this week to go give some blood. Obviously, make sure you're doing it safely. I know it's a hard time. Social distancing and shelter at home is encouraged so please make sure you're following your county's rules before you know going out and giving blood but just as um life continues and things continue happening even with coronavirus like people are still in need of um blood donors you know there's car accidents all that stuff is still happening so and okay that's the first example i came up with there's many reasons um so they're putting out spots on the radio um and i just wanted to amplify that message if you are able to give blood i know not everyone is able to and that is also okay but if you are able to give blood and you it's safe to do so then um, i encourage maybe make an appointment um because that's a way to uh help out right now okay well that's my announcements i hope you guys enjoy this episode i enjoy talking to drama and i hope you guys like it all right bye you can tell her you can tell her anything she's a real good listener you can tell her anything hello welcome to you can tell me anything this is the podcast where comedians Confess something they want to get off their chest. And filmmakers, now we've expanded um, in this new era post-quarantine. I'm really excited for my guest, which you guys, if you're on the live, you can see him. Um, he is a filmmaker. I met him last year while touring with uh, my short film, I Think She Likes You. He has a wonderful short. And more stuff coming out. I'll let him talk a little bit about that as soon as I introduce him. It's Drama Del Rosario. What's up? Hey, how are you? I'm doing okay. I feel like I set up, I wrote this backwards and then I didn't really set up the lighting well. And uh, my face is very bright and it's too late. Everyone can see. This is what I look like (laughs) when I work on Fine. You look fabulous, though. Thank you. I did my face like two hours before this whole thing even started. I was like, I want to invest some time in making my face look good on Instagram Live. So I love it. It's it's like your room is like an ins- is that a is that a backdrop or is your wall like an Instagram? This wall? is a blanket. I'm in my living oh room my right God. now, and I just like put on like I have like a one of those like laundry railing things, mm-hmm. and then I just put like <laughs> a blanket over it. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, okay. I want to just introduce you a little bit to the um, confidants on this stream and people who are going to listen to this after as well because it is recorded uh, in audio. Um, so before we get into your projects, I just like to start right away with a good confession, just to have a positive note. Is there something good you'd like to confess? <laughs> you made a face. <laughs> Things can't be all that bad all the time, right? <laughs> I know it's hard right now to think of good stuff, but I have faith. Oh, okay. So a little humble brag. I have something, a project that's going to be dropped sometime this week. 
So later this week, I can't can't say that much because some of them might be watching this live or whatever, but it has something to do with um, a queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. Ooh, Um, okay. I am teased. Um, That's awesome. And it involves, and I think it involves someone who you've worked with in the past. Oh, okay. Ooh. <laughs> I don't even know. That's that's a mystery to me. So yeah, um, stay tuned because later this week, like, there's going to be a little, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race related Amazing. kind of announcement coming up. So stay tuned for that. I'm not sure if I can say much yet, okay. but I'm gonna get like a bunch of like green lights over the next few days, and I will start like dropping hints oh, good. here and there. Well, our appetites are um, are wedded, and but you can talk about your um, your short film in this family, which is the one I saw, the doc that we uh, we met at Q Films. I saw Aldo in the chat. Hello, Aldo. Yes, I, don't know I saw Aldo. Um, but yeah, so so you made this really beautiful documentary, which is where we met, um, and it's available online if people want to watch it. Watch it. Is that right? Or is it available, or can people watch it right now, or if they want to? Oh, yeah, it is available. It's available on Reverie.tv, which is a queer streaming platform, um, until, for only a couple months left, like, um, my whole run, because I had a two-year run with them, and my two-year run is about to end, so watch it while you can. You can get, like, a free subscription, like, those 30-day trial things, and watch my film there. But also, I'm doing, like, a bunch of short film screenings on Instagram Live here and there, because I'm trying to be creative with, you know, finding opportunities for filmmakers to screen their short films, and so we've been, like, playing around with um, different films that I made and streaming them on Instagram Live, and in this family's one. Yeah, so that's Reverie.tv, Reverie.tv, R-E-V-R-Y dot TV. And it's a queer streaming platform. They have so much like really good queer content out there that you can watch. They have 30-day free trial, if I'm not mistaken. Like a, either seven days or 30 days, something like that. So take advantage while everyone is at home social distancing. Yeah, there's nothing else you guys are doing. That's really cool. And then obviously follow Drama for the, the tea on this secret, secret project that he can't reveal, but... Well, um, I think we've introduced you to the, the audience here, so uh, I, this info is also up here, so anyone joining can see it. So let's just get into it. Um, I like to, before we get into the main confession, this podcast for new listeners is loosely based on sort of going to therapy and just like getting things off your chest. We do keep it light because it's comedic, but um, that's sort of where it was inspired by. So I'm curious, like, what's your experience with therapy? Have you ever gone or, you know, do you, you know, what's your just relationship with sort of like going to to talk about things and in that perspective? Yeah, so I started going to therapy, um, I want to say February or March, early of 2019. Um, Yeah, and then it's a weekly thing. Um, I go here and there, um, a p- part of my whole journey with going to therapy, um, I documented in my upcoming documentary, which is I'm okay and neither are you. Um, yeah, so like I had, you know, gone through this really horrible sexual assault experience in 2018, um, and you know, it was affecting my regular life and yeah, I like going to therapy just like helped move on without am I being seen. That's really cool that you um started going to therapy. I mean it seems like it's still a very recent uh oh, you froze. Oh my gosh. I feel like a grandma because 
you're frozen and then okay can you hear me <laughs> <laughs> i can't like, hear Hello? you okay kids Let's try this again. Drama, drama. You're causing so much drama in the live stream. Right? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have no idea what. No, live, like, not at all. For some reason, Instagram Live hates me. I'm not sure what to do because Instagram I. Instagram Live hates me. No, I, I know. We all love you. I just feel like I don't know if it's going to keep happening. Should we do this offline? I mean, I really do want to make it work. He's frozen again. Hmm. Oh, he's back. Okay, so we're back. We've figured it out um the live did not work but me and drama are facetiming and it's happening so we're gonna <laughs> put out the, ep the episode so where we left off drama yeah. i was just asking you is there anything you would like to tell me like the big confessional, the big confessional? yeah oh I mean, my god okay. yours. <laughs> mm, my big confessional would be that you know this whole social distancing thing i am enjoying it like i am not an outside kind of person like I just love to lay on the couch and like <laughs> sleep which is so weird because everyone has this perception that one I'm a I'm a super extrovert which like I I don't even like going out to parties and I don't even like going to like social I mean you're wearing a choker for an Instagram <laughs> live so <laughs> And, but, but, like, everyone also has this perception that me being, you know, being a documentary filmmaker, that we're all, like, outdoorsy and we want to, like, get to know people and whatever. But, like, I mean, that's fun. But, like, I, I also feel like um, lying on the couch and binge-watching something is also fun. So Yes, yeah. I get it. So I love that because so many people are, I feel like, making adjustments. But it, the way they're approaching social distancing is, like, this is, you know, hampering my routine, but here's what I'm going to do with, like, the, you know, almost, like, within the restrictions. But for you, you're, like, thriving. This is not, like, <laughs> adjusting. This is, like, you're in your element. Oh, yeah, because, like, I, I, I work hard. I work really hard, and so I value my time when I'm not working. So, you know, being able to, like, stay at home and, like, rest is really fun. But then I also get all the people who... You know, they get really in their head when they're not doing anything, such as, like, you know, just staying at home and distancing yourself for everyone. Like, I have been, like, feeling that, too. And I didn't think I would be the kind of person who would feel that. Um, yeah. Well, I have a question, because you're, you're, you're a documentary filmmaker, so in a way, you make your own hours. I mean, it, obviously, it doesn't mean that your hours are light at all. It's almost like they're more because you have your own you're your own boss and i'm sure knowing how artists are it's like you know you're like oh i could do another extra hour another this and then you're just up all night doing it so how has it affected your daily routine considering like a lot of what you've been doing has been sort of like in your own time on your own projects yeah no so right now i am working full-time for a documentary production company here in hollywood and just a couple weeks ago, we were traveling all over the U.S. working on a bunch of nonfiction projects. We have a mini docu-series, we have a documentary series, and a lot of our projects involve interviewing people with rare diseases and patients. Um, and we had laid out for the rest of March and I think a little bit of early April that the team is going to be traveling all over the U.S. Oh, wow. And this just is before like, the pandemic. <laughs> and, okay. like, we were in Albany. Um, we just finished finished shooting um, an interview with this really great guy. 
And then this whole coronavirus thing just like exploded. And like we were supposed to go to Chicago and San Francisco and Portland and Idaho or Iowa or like wherever. All different One places. Of the eyes. All different places. And um, now like the whole trip has been postponed. Because, yes. one, coronavirus, and two, being a team that has traveled all over the U.S., we don't want to go into someone's home and, like, unknowingly sure. bring coronavirus to this, you know, rare disease person's home. Of course. Um, yeah, wow. That would be so irresponsible. So, you know, smart decision to just, like, you know, we're all, we're all going back to L.A. We're all going <laughs> to self-quarantine and all of that. So, I mean, now I'm still working, thank God, but working from home full-time. Yeah. So that's good. Like I, that is a huge weight off of my shoulders. Do you like working from home better? I do. Like I, especially right now, like working from home, a lot of the things that we're, that I'm personally doing is, um, one pre-production and research, which is like gathering different articles, you know, um, I'm limited to like online articles and like online archives, but it's something. Um, and I'm also doing a little bit of like market, no, not marketing, accounting. Because I like, that is one thing that um, I don't think people know about me is that I love a good Excel sheet. Oh my God, me too. Wait, I'm like a Virgo <laughs> moon, so I'm like, it's in my blood, but. <laughs> I love a good budget. And I feel like when a film is in post-production stage, everyone just wants to be like on the creative, like editing post-production side, but I am just ready to like, scan all of those receipts and put all that data on the excel sheet <laughs> and that's that's um what i did i think i'm like i think on the first week of my quarantine um a couple days were dedicated to just like accounting and budgeting which i enjoy yeah i mean there is something very like i like that balance because of course like you're a creative person i'm a creative but like i think being able that's you produce your own short right i feel like you did so much of it that it really shows like I think that is an element that is really important to be an artist especially when you're doing a lot of your you know your own projects kind of start to finish like you do have to be able to manage like the budget and like you know your crew and the schedule and otherwise you get film students who are like five years after film school they haven't put out their senior project you know like which is okay things take time but I think the reason you're very productive and you have so many projects out there is because you're organized, so it shows. Oh, thank you. You know, a lot of people will roll their eyes and be like, accounting is boring, and all of these documents and stuff is boring. But I can, like, happily say that sometimes it is a secret weapon of sorts to, like, know how to do this accounting stuff and to, like, know all the legal work and all the laws and documents involved in making a film. Like, Yeah, I mean, I... Um... I used to make these production binders for like a sketch group that I just did yes. with my friends. Like we did it. Nobody was asking us to even make sketches, but then I would like take meeting notes and have these binders after every shoot. <laughs> but it was useful because then down the road when I, you know, eventually got hired to actually, or got paid to produce other people's things, it was really easy for me to go back and look at my notes and be like, Oh, this was something I learned from this set and this and and I just incorporated all that and it made it way easier and people were like oh you're so organized I'm like yeah it's because I did it when I didn't have to um and now that I'm supposed to it's like easy you know? <laughs> <laughs> um okay that's really cool so okay I want to talk more about you being like because you're not you're you you said you're like being socially distant 
but then you said you think people think you're an extrovert do you identify as an introvert or are you just like a selective extrovert do you know um mbti like that that psychological like test thing where you're like is four, that like the four letter um, combination myers briggs yes yes that one mb mb stands for meyer briggs or myers briggs whatever that means so i usually like i take the tests um like here and there sometimes and i usually get the same answer every time like my personality really hasn't changed but i fluctuate between between extrovert and introvert so so whoa yeah. okay she yeah. has that because <laughs> um. like when i when i go when out, I, when I, go I love to go out and i like to have fun but when i rest i like to like rest sometimes i just don't like dealing with people you know yeah it can be very draining i found the weird part i think i am an extrovert on that scale but i do really like need like breaks i can't just constantly be around people like some people i feel like can you know go on a week-long festival with a group of friends and just constantly be around people i'm like that is a nightmare like i need to have my own space but um i found that social distancing has actually made me feel in ways like it's harder to take a break because i'm constantly looking at my phone, looking at my computer, and... I feel that. Do you, yeah, how, how's that been for you? Like, are you actively making, like, hangouts with friends, or... Yeah, I have, um, like, a, I have, like, work calls. I have FaceTimes with friends. We have, like, a bunch of, like, support group Zoom conferences, which are just, like, you know, catching up with everyone. Because there's one film fellowship that I um, was part of last year, and we have um, bi-weekly support Zoom conferences. Oh, that's awesome. Just, like, Is that the BAFTA like, one? What was that? Was that? Oh, the, the BAFTA? Or- no. Well, well, there's also a BAFTA Zoom conference call. And then there's a... So this is called Next Doc, that fellowship. So we have a Next Doc conference call. I have a work conference call. I have a conference call with um, uh, Sophie Sumner, who was the winner of America's Next Top Model. She also runs um, a support group on Zoom. And it's really interesting because like, they're turning Zoom from like this work conference call space to now just like catching up with each other and making sure everyone's okay and all of that wait so were you doing these support groups via phone call before the pandemic no all of these are all of these are new like all of these are like wow. like yeah. they used either like these conference calls did not exist period or they were they would be like physical meetups like the BAFTA meetup or like a work meeting that because of social distancing now has to be online yeah but then i just love like i see that is okay (laughs) so here's how i feel about it okay give me more specifics because like what do you like better because it seems like it's the interaction itself is still happening so it's not like you're not it's not like you're like i don't have to do this thing anymore exactly but there's something better about to you about not having to go out and actually see the person yes so I like interacting with people. I like talking to people. I like checking if they're okay. What I don't like is the preparation that you have to do to meet up with another person, such as a very basic thing like wearing clothes. Like, I I grew up in the Philippines. I grew up in a very tropical country where it's very hot and it's very humid, so I hate wearing clothes. So if I have to go to a party or if I have to go to a work meeting and I have to wear pants like I hate it like I hate cloth touching my legs and so just this whole like interface of zoom where you only have to get ready from like the waist up is heaven Uh for me 
I mean, I literally just went online and ordered like three pairs of leggings and sweats yesterday because I was like, I have, I don't wear sweats a lot, but I've been feeling weird wearing jeans at home when I, you know, don't have to. But then I also, you know, don't want to just wear the same thing. So then I was like, I guess I'll get sweatpants. But I feel you on that. Although I will say like I do enjoy put like I like being able to feel like I'm putting on like a face to go out in the mornings here and there. Uh, See, this so is, that I have. The, like, but you look great. Podcast. See, I feel like your level is like. <laughs> your See, this is what the people on like the audio podcast won't be able to see. So right now my face is done. See all the contour and, and all the highlights. And an outfit. You've got a look on. I have a look on. I have this really nice color blocking sweater. I have my accessories. But from the waist down, I'm wearing Nike running shorts. Oh my god. I love it. <laughs> okay, okay, I see, yeah. So it's like you can control the uh you you like it's like you can just it's like a filter for your life, I guess, right? Because it's like yeah. on Snapchat, you just have to put a filter on or mm-hmm. whatever. But in real life, you have to get t- 360 ready. Mm-hmm. I just remembered another thing I hate about social interactions or like the part about getting like all the the build up towards social interactions. I don't like traveling. Like I don't like car rides. Like I don't like, I just don't like traveling. <laughs> That's fair. Traffic sucks. I could feel that. There's a lot of, especially for, um, you know, even if you, whether you're an extrovert or introvert, I think there's still this, like, creative people, I feel like you can get drained so easily because all day your brain is in work mode, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really stop. You stop your day job and then you're thinking about your next project. So it can be very draining to just be like, I have to, you know, get it get in my car and you know go meet this person and then have a conversation and then yes. you know where am i gonna park and what, what am i gonna eat and then i still have three things to do when i come home and so i think yes. even that part can be very exhausting <laughs> absolutely like i mm, i watched a lot of final destination as a kid and so like car rides and like plane rides and roller coasters well, not roller coasters but like traveling in general is just like so stressful so for me stressful. so this is like a you have a physical fear of traveling it's sort of i would say so i would say so like um like i hate planes i hate like car rides for me like i get car sick very easily <laughs> i always need a good playlist when i'm in a car to just like ease my tensions do you get anxiety going into your car or like just like driving and stuff? Not, not really. I wouldn't say anxiety. I just like I just get, like, get... My boyfriend just turned the faucet on, so. Hi. <laughs> no, um, so I wouldn't say it's anxiety. It's more of just like, I can't wait for the car ride to be over. Like, I, I hate when a car ride is like 25 minutes long. Like, that for me is long. So if I can't interact with you just by a press of a button, then that makes me happy. <laughs> so when when this all ends, do you feel like you're going to try to continue some interactions via... I mean, because that's what people are saying is that um, it's going to change the way people interact in many ways. Like some things can just be done on Zoom and maybe are better. So are you going to push for hang, hanging out with people on Zoom? Like, you know, catch up kind of situations? I would say so. I mean, I, the amount of money that I spent just like taking Ubers everywhere. I don't have a car. So I rely on like Uber and Lyft. Like I have a Lyft premium account or whatever that's called. So like the amount of money 
that I save by not having to travel, by not having to get ready in the morning, not having to like feed myself with food to just have energy for the whole day. Like I'm happy. I think you still have to eat when you're at home. That's true. That's true. But I don't have to eat as much. Are you just not eating this whole time? When I go out, I need to have like carbs. I need to have like lots of coffee and I need to have like all this food to sustain me throughout the day. I need to have chips and like all of those like little nuts and whatever else. I'm just going to be like so drained. But now like I don't have to do that much physical work. Oh my god. Like I have not been exercising at all. <laughs> it's yeah, it's you know that was my follow-up question is um how do you stay motivated when your your day kind of blends in like that? Like to to get things done because it sounds like you are being very productive and I can sense your energy is you know your level is high. And for a lot of people they have the opposite reaction when they're home, they get, you know, depressed and kind of like slow so do you have um like do you have routine or tips that keep you sort of motivated or this is just your natural state like you're like thriving i don't know i wouldn't say i have a routine but like notifications popping up constantly now that you have nothing really to keep you busy aside from your phone like if i'm at work i'm looking at my work laptop and i'll look at my phone here and there but now like i'm just like like my like I can see my phone getting notifications constantly and that makes your mind like turn really quickly like what's someone doing right now what's someone doing right now um what's new that's coming up who's on live and yeah well yeah i mean so you you like that feeling of like constant um notifications I do. I do. <laughs> I no, no, I, that that didn't come out. I mean, I, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious because I, I yeah. think that there's there's no right way to be. But um, I don't. I think not everyone does. So that's why I'm asking. So sometimes it stresses people out. Yeah. To I, never. I, yeah. I I don't know. But here's one thing that has been like really interesting, and I want you to like kind of analyze it because I still don't know how okay. to absorb it. So, right. so I'll do my best. <laughs> do you know The Sims video game? Yes. Yeah. So I love The Sims. I love The Sims. I love the whole virtual life, making your own like person, building a house type thing. And I always told myself that if there's ever a time when I have days and weeks where I can just stay at home, all I'm going to do is play The Sims and play video games and whatever. But since this whole social distancing happened, I have not played The Sims. Because there's this constant fear in my mind wherein if I play The Sims, I might be missing someone's Instagram live or I'm going to like fade into like the oblivion and everyone like because when, when you like build a house on The Sims, like you will get so absorbed in it like, and you will build that house for like five days straight. And I'm so worried that like in those five days where I'm just building a house, I'm just going to be like completely out of the loop everything does that make sense yes it makes sense and it's really interesting because <laughs> my boyfriend right now is like looking at me with like a like a really kind of face <laughs> why why are you looking at me like that you're like rolling his eyes well i think it, the interesting part is i you said like if there's any uh, before this you thought if there's ever a time when you're just like home for a long time and that kind of implies like the rest of the world is going on as normal. And it's almost like you get a little break, right? Like for whatever reason, let's say you got a vacation or whatever, a staycation. 
then that's nice because you your responsibilities are cut and the rest of the world is moving on. But now it's like the whole world has stopped. So there is pressure in other ways to like connect, right? So you feel FOMO if you're not watching the things. Whereas before you'd just be like, well, I'll just miss a week of like going to my friend's events. But now it's like all these new things are happening every day. Like what am I going to miss in history? I don't know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I've been that way with um, writing because I used to, you know, I have the day job too and I've been writing outside and just thinking like ah, oh, one of these days I just like if I could just have a week and just work from home but now I do and I have not touched my script because <laughs> I felt so overwhelmed that I was like I can't focus on this thing that I was doing before so I don't know if that'll change in a few weeks but I can relate to like not wanting to just proceed as planned yeah no because they're there I am like low-key happy that I am not in the middle of like I am not editing something right now because if I were editing something right now, I would feel that constant pressure of just needing to open Premiere and just edit, edit, edit. Um, and right now, like, I just want to not have a big looming gray cloud over my head that's, like, telling me to do something. So, thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully. Or if you had to shoot. I mean, that's the other thing is, like... Man, it's just really stopped everything. You know, there's, like, production shut down. Like, I mean, I guess if you were pregnant and having a baby, you would still have to go to the hospital. But people are, like, not going to the hospital if they don't have to. So it's it's pretty wild. Um, have you always been, like, a, uh, I, I don't know what the term is. not socially distant, but I know you say you like this socially distant. Like, where, have you always kind of been like that, had that personality of, like, just, like, I need my space, like, or, kind of. or did you sort of like reach a point where you were like, because I know you're also very online and you make videos and that sort of thing. So you have a network online. Did you sort of cross over at a certain point where you're like, you know, I enjoy being alone and I have a network and I feel connected? Or I mean, I think I just like pick and choose my friends and who I get along with and who I bond with. I like growing up, you know how a lot of people like grew up with a best friend or like a circle of friends? Well, I grew up in an all-boys Catholic Filipino school, so I never really, like, grew up with, like, a circle of friends or, like, best friends and whatever. So I'm fine just, like, <laughs> minding my own business and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, I mean, I have a twin sister, and we've been close, but I remember growing up thinking, like, feeling jealous that I didn't have a best friend. And I wonder if that is, like... You know, I, I, I'm like, you're more of a personality online than I am, but I definitely embrace being digital and all that. And I think there is something that the digital network provides that, like, the traditional, like, growing up in America high school, like, with the clicks and everything, that, I, you know, I didn't fit in, and that way I was more drawn to the digital world. So mm -hmm. I can totally relate to that because if you weren't, like, you know, the, the queen bee or the high school quarterback, you could feel really ostracized. But the online world, you can find your people in all different communities and then, like, bind together. So mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, when did you move to America? I moved to L.A. from Manila in the Philippines in September 2017 because that is when I started my master's degree in documentary film. Um, I took the MFA in documentary from the New York Film Academy, the Los Angeles campus. Um, yeah, and I graduated September 2019, around the time um, when we saw each other last year, I think. When was um, 
the Long Beach yeah. thing. That was it's like crazy. Like, that was last year. That was I late last year. Tor- like September, maybe? Yeah, around yeah, that time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, also just imagining, like, because last year I traveled a lot with the shore. I don't, I mean, I didn't have anything this year that was going to be going around or anything, but just thinking, like, oh, if this had happened last year, that what, how different that would have been, too. Yeah. So, man. Um, like, yeah, because so there was a voicemail like, in your... So many film festivals, so many film festivals now are, like, going to postpone and like cancel and so many people are complaining that all of these events and festivals are being canceled like if your event is gonna happen in june why do you have to cancel this early but then like i think people are forgetting the fact that okay the event does happen in june but a lot of the planning happens in march april may and because people are not you know going to their offices um a lot of that planning period is now gonna be essentially gone so yeah. a lot well, of yeah, because you have to plan for now. it, you have to promote it, and exactly. you got to Exactly, like tickets. a lot of work yeah. goes into preparing for these festivals. And so I understand when a lot of these festivals and like film events and all of that get postponed. The sad part is I feel like a lot of them are happening now in like, I want to say like August or September or October. For some reason, a lot of people are rescheduling to October. Like, I think they feel like that. They feel is a like safe it's month. safer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think I was like reading the news today and, and, and a couple of days ago. And I think this whole like self quarantine, social distancing thing is going to happen for a while. Yeah, people are saying that, like, there's, there's, uh, I think, was it Texas or, I don't know, there was another state that is basically sh- trying to shut down for, like, I, I want to say to August or something. Mm-hmm. Well, Halloween 2020 is going to be lit. I mean, <laughs> everyone, yeah. everyone's just like, the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I brought up the festival thing not to be like, I'm glad they all canceled. I think that's the responsible thing to do. But just feeling like you can't help how things time out. But a part of me is like, oh, you know, I do think I would have been really bummed if this was my first year taking something that I made out and mm-hmm. all of this happened. But then that also, I was having a conversation with one of my filmmaker friends the other day, and that really brings up an interesting point where, you know, a lot of queer person of color filmmakers really depend on these film festivals, these physical film festivals, to get their work out there. And now that these film festivals are not happening, where does that leave us queer person of color filmmakers? Like, it... it it, it puts you in per, into perspective and it brings that thing to your attention where that question of why are we depending on film festivals as queer person of color filmmakers. Um, and that is why I'm, all these different film organizations now are coming up with streaming platforms and online viewing parties and online film festivals, which is good. Um, because now we don't, have to depend on physical film festivals physical film festivals are like still good um but you know when things like this happen we can't solely depend on these avenues to get our work out there out there yeah that's a good point because i do feel like this had you know coming from comedy and um and not being as familiar with the filmmaking world like last year traveling i did feel like oh so much of it is going in person and meeting other filmmakers and that was really cool, but it's just finding that space, right? Like a place, otherwise people, it's hard to get your stuff out there if you're not already having access to a, an audience. But you're right, they, they should have that because there's people sitting at home who, who want to watch content and want to watch queer filmmakers. 
and hear their stories told and it's like Hollywood's not giving it to them. So there's so few spaces to begin with. So I think hopefully something positive that will come out of this is maybe they'll adjust the mainstream. Because there used to be the mentality that like, well, you guys have a space, so it's not like we don't let you do it at all. Just do your you know, Asian film festival or do the queer film festival. And now it's like, oh yeah, they really get cut out when those things stop. So maybe we should fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like it's also tapping into like all of these online streaming platforms and all of these documentary films going online is tapping into a different documentary film audience that wouldn't necessarily go to a film festival. Like, I see a lot of people, like, reality show fans and, like, comedy fans and all of that who usually stream stuff are now watching documentaries, which I find really interesting because I don't... Like, I personally don't see them as the type of people who would... Like, I have the reality show friends. Like, they're not the type who would go to film festivals. But now they're watching documentaries because it's being presented to them and being available to them in a way that, you know, is digestible or is accessible to them. So yep. we're tapping into new audiences, which is good. That is true. That's really cool. Um, I, something you said earlier I, made me think of something, and then I, I just took away. <laughs> what was I saying? Well, um, it, it might come to me. Um, like online, online stuff. stuff. Oh, um, oh, I was talking about... Oh, yeah, because I remember... I think I remember correctly. At the end of your sh um, your doc that I watched, there's like you have a voicemail with your or a phone call with your parents. Yes, right? yes, I, yes. I have a oh, video yeah, okay. chat with my parents. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask about that because you were saying um, you graduated around that time, so that was like around. I didn't realize how recently you had moved or come to LA. So that's yeah. really amazing. It's like <laughs> all that happened in the last three years, and then you were able to just make this and put this out there and have such success with it. Um, so this, so in this family, I made, that was the first ever film project in my whole master's degree. So I made that in 2017. That was like, I was so nervous because that was my first ever project. Um, and I'm so glad that it paid off and like has been good. Yeah, that's so cool. So you made it in school? Or yeah. So like, so, um, that was our first major film project and kind of the brief our first major film project is before we set you out into the real world and interview real people we want you to know what it feels like to be the one in front of the camera revealing all of these things so we want you to make a personal documentary film about something in your life and at that point like I was so horrified to do that project because I knew exactly what that project needs to be about. Just like knowing what I had gone through in my whole life. So that is how In This Family came to be. And In This Family is a 12-minute short documentary about my coming out experience in the Philippines. And when I was a young teenager, I had, you know, all these fights and all of these, you know, homophobic things that my parents would say and yell at me and, you know, give long monologues to me about would happen so regularly that one day I just thought to myself, why don't I just record it for fun? And I had kept those recordings in a hard drive for 10 years. And then that was 2007 when I made those recordings. And then was it 2007? Yeah. So like I had kept those recordings um, for like a decade and then 2017 came along and I was like, yep. Time to make this into a documentary. 
<laughs> well, it was so, I mean, I can imagine there was so much that you had to like curate down to, but it, the documentary itself, it's like, it's so well done and it sort of like gets, it hits everything. And I feel like, yeah, Thank it was very you. moving. I mean, I cried, um, but uh, I, I thought hearing now how like, how little time had gone by since you made that and you moved here. I'm like, that's so impressive because I think sometimes people are like, you have to wait a long time before you can make something and you were sort of making that as soon as you got here and, and I thought it was really amazing. Yeah, but no, the good thing about, the interesting thing about documentary, taking a master's degree in documentary film is that you are in, because so my, the people who you do your masters with are essentially also your crew for your films. So they help me with my projects, I help them with their projects, and so on, back and forth. The people who take a documentary film master's degree already have experience in the film industry. So, they already have a film background, and later on in their career, after they've developed their skills, that's when they realize, oh, I want to do nonfiction. And so, like... The people who I did my master's degree on, like, they were a talented group of people. Most of them in their 30s. And I was, like, in my early 20s. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by a lot of people who already had a filmmaking background. And so there was less, you know, experimenting. There was less, like, poetic, like, trying hard to be poetic kind of artsy stuff. So... I you know everyone tells me to watch that because I know it's a personal documentary. <laughs> well, and it's kind of I don't I mean it's been a minute since I've seen it and it's you know I'm sure it, it's not it's I'm sure there's many things about it that are dated but well I can see why people would bring it up only because like with the recording and sort of like documenting things as you went without realizing you're gonna put it in a documentary like he did that his entire life um, and then made a doc out of it but you, what you said about trying to be artistic like he definitely does that in ways that. I think for its time was really cool. Looking at it now, it could feel like it's like an art school student. I mean, also some of it he recorded when he was like li- literally, you know, nine years old. So, but there was a lot of that sort of like trying to be like artsy and frame it weird and this. And you're like, okay, okay, American <laughs> Beauty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but uh, a lot of the documentary films that I've done, tying into this whole social distancing and me not wanting to go out, confession. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of the documentary films that I've done are very, like, interior sort of happens, what happens inside someone's home kind of documentaries. Like, I'm not a National Geographic documentary filmmaker that, like, goes out to the forests and goes out to the mountains and all of that and makes a documentary. Like, that's cool, but it's not the kind, like, it's just not for me for some reason. And so a lot of the documentary films that I've done have been, like, people coping with the things that happen from inside their home, such as my personal documentary of me coming out to my family. Um, I did a documentary film on people who, you know, are in hospice care and cancer patients and just, like, what, like, how changes in the government can affect someone's life inside their own home. I did, you know, documentaries about a transgender actor coping with the difficult family life in her Filipino household. So, like, there's just so much fascination for me for, like, what happens inside a house. Like, I watched a lot of Big Brother and, like, Bad Girls Club as a 
as a, as a young teenager and just like seeing all of the th fascinating things that can happen within a confined space is um, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's almost like um, because you have a, like, I think the idea, like, that's one type of documentary filmmaker, right? And it tends to be, like, I don't know, in my mind, I'm like, it's like a white guy who wants to explore other communities and want to feel, like, cool and different. Obviously, what they're doing is cool, too. But I think there is something, like, the fact that your voice isn't as represented in mainstream media. Like, it is almost radical to just look within because, you know, the mainstream audience or the quote-unquote traditional what Hollywood thinks is mainstream is not really hearing that story. So I, I totally get that. It feels counterintuitive, but I think the reason, um, like it's just as important to look within as it is to like go outside and explore because looking within is a story is a unique story that people aren't hearing. Mm -hmm. So th I, that's like really cool. I, w I remember like in my college philosophy classes, oh, um, <laughs> That first, like, I we had discussed something like the three levels of relationships, the relationship with the, with yourself, the relationship with the people around you, and like immediately around you, and the relationship with the greater world out there, and society and communities and all of that. And a lot of documentary filmmakers focus on that last layer of relationships, and I like to focus on the first two, um, and those. Layers isn't the right word, and levels isn't the right word either, um, because these three are of the same weight, you know? And yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think in film schools, they'll tell like, like people like, oh, it's beginner to just do stuff about yourself. But I don't think that's true for everyone because I think that's if about yourself is like, you know, a ladybird and whatever, that's a good film. But, you know, that is a specific story that I've seen a lot. You know, it's like, oh, like a privileged white girl who, again, great film. You know, I'm not shitting on it, but I'm just saying it's like, okay, she's a coming of age story and she moves to New York, big city. Cool. That's what they mean when they say don't keep telling the same story. But if your story is unique and it is, it's like, yeah, this is. To somebody else, that's going outside. You know, that's going outside to somebody else. Like c going into your house or the homes that you're, the stories that you're telling is an outside to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's also really, you know, I, I grew up, and I grew up in not even just like growing up, but like I, for the first twenty years of my life growing up in the Philippines, I heard a lot of. Um, what you have gone through is nothing compared to what all the other people have gone through. It's nothing compared to what I have gone through or whatever. And so I grew up with a lot of people just like diminishing the things that I had grown up with. And it wasn't until I moved to LA when I realized, oh, I have some things that I have not yet resolved from my childhood. Um, and so just uh, finally having the space to just like process those things um, was really interesting and then to finally have that film out there about my coming out story and to hear other people saying how much they relate to this specific personal experience that I went through um, sort of you know it's like a light bulb or like something that bring that comes to your attention that yes this is a personal story but this is a personal story that a lot of people can relate to and understand and because of this 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 
I guess, need, quote-unquote, need that people have to create bigger, societal, large stories, we ignore these, like, personal, interpersonal kind of things that we're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, also sometimes it goes back to intention because so often you see, like, documentary filmmakers who just want to just want to find, like, quote-unquote, an exotic story. And it's, like, sometimes you question, like, are you doing anything for the community? And I'm like specifically talking about, you know, like more big budget filmmakers who come from privileged backgrounds who are like, I'm going to like, let's say, I don't want it's not, not about race, but let's say in this scenario, it's like a rich film student, a white kid who's like, I'm going to go to the Philippines, like with no connection and just like kind of like show this, you know, show this village and then like leave and that's it. And it's all about me and me as a filmmaker. And that tends to be like, well, what's the intention there? Are you adding, you know, are you telling this story? Are you adding any value to the community or is it like just so you can find something different and so sometimes you get that in documentary world and what I think is so important is to have more voices that are diverse and you don't have to always only talk about yourself but it is this idea of like being authentic and genuine about like the story you want to tell and like how you connect to it so yeah I mean like you having gone through something firsthand um will for example for me if i were to make a documentary about the philippines like i have gone like that is something that i know firsthand and the way that i will tell that story is different from the way you know a privileged old straight white man would make that kind of film you know um there is a lot of i was talking with my documentary filmmaker friends and they're documentary filmmakers today are reopening the discussion of whether or not we should compensate the people that we're interviewing because there are these privileged white men who go to these quote-unquote exotic locations, have a ball making their film, leave, and then these white people get all the benefits from making that film. And that, it to some degree, feels like poaching, you know? Well, it's a it's mindset of like, even in they because we use exotic with quotes i mean i know people listening can't see that but because it's not exotic right like everything is just a different story but there is this mentality in a lot of western cultures of like anything that's different is like exotic and like other whereas we're if you grow up feeling other then you you don't see the world that way you kind of see it as like just this like different like kind of a rainbow you know like it's like everything's different but equal or it's just a different story it's not like oh I'm the main thing and then you guys are different so I think that them having that mentality to begin with does create this rift of like because these these communities that they're going to um, are giving their knowledge are giving their history you're they're approaching this expert and this expert is giving all of their knowledge that they have in their head on camera only for them to walk away and that person gaining nothing. So, if they're going to do that, might as well make some money or gain something off of it. And of course, the counter debate to that would be, you know, um, if you're paying someone, there are biases and just like that whole like journalistic standard of documentary filmmaking. And... Yeah, I mean, it's just an, an, an interesting kind of um, kind of thing to think about now as nonfiction filmmakers is that are we 
really doing justice to the people that we're interviewing and the people whose stories we are telling if we just go there leave and then as documentary filmmakers be the ones to gain to have all that thought all to gain you know so so yeah I think um, that's why there needs to be more uh, diverse voices. And even diverse is a word I'm like, that's a Hollywood word. Because like, what it, that just means different, right? And I'm like, it's not diverse to me if, you know, it looks like, yeah. But I think we need more of that behind <laughs> the camera for that same reason. Because I think then you do get that different perspective. And I think, like, my parents, you know, are immigrants from Taiwan. And they don't watch a lot of American docs. But, like, when I watch your, actually, I, I haven't sent it to them, but I should. But when I watched your documentary, I thought like this is something that would really move them because it is so personal. And uh, I don't know if we actually talked about this, but my little brother um, was also queer and he, you know, um, he was depressed and um, committed suicide. And that was years ago. But my parents, you know, had that sort of story. And then on the other side have really now tried to listen. But something like what you made is so cool because I think it can help parents who are not there yet not go through that you know hard thing and and i don't think if they watch like a you know hollywood movie that's dramatized it just wouldn't be the same i think it's so personal and important what you're doing because it's told in a way that's like oh okay like this feels really real and and authentic so thank you yeah i love thank that you. i feel like the best the one thing that i really love about doing community screenings for in this family is when the parents approach me and they just you know tell me how much it changed their perspective on their child. And that yeah. is a nice feeling to have that, you know, a 12 minute film can do something like that. Yeah, I mean, your voice is so powerful. It's like. So cool that you're doing that. Well, I want to end with a game. I mean, cool. I feel like this has been such a rich conversation. We'll just end <laughs> on a little light note, um, if that's cool. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we'll sign off. Um, okay, so this is a socially distant, social distancing-based game. Okay. Uh, it's called Distant Disdain or Abstain. So, <laughs> you know, when we're recording this, it's about, been about less than a month of mandatory social distancing here in America. But a lot of, you know, news articles and uh, blogs have advice. It's a lot of advice pouring forth, like the vodka and wine that I'm now drinking, now that drinking alone is not considered... A problem um but anyways <laughs> so these are I, i've got kind of pulled different advice like kind of short advice tips and things like that from articles about how to be socially distant and some of them are good a lot of them are dumb i think they don't all hit the mark so i'm just gonna read one to you and then you tell me if like that's something that you think is like good advice that you would do um or if you okay wait what did i say just <laughs> i'm like i wrote this distant disdain okay so let's do this way i'll read the tip and then you just tell me like is this something like that's better socially distant something that you miss doing in person or something you just like wouldn't do at all okay 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 so this is from an article about date ideas that are socially distant so this one says go for a walk around your neighborhood while talking on the phone as a date Not really. Ugh. I just don't like talking on the phone in public, especially like when you're walking around. Like if you're going to talk on the phone, go to a corner. Like not everyone needs to be hearing your conversation. Yeah, I agree. I think this one misses the mark and I think it's lazy. It's like you don't even going for a walk as a day is a bad date. Like that's if someone was like first date, let's go for a walk. I'd be like, 
<laughs> do you want me to spot this? Okay. This one says, make crafts for each other on video chat and exchange them after the quarantine is over. That's cute. Okay. That's cute. What kind of crafts? Like necklaces and stuff? Like anything and like, you, you want. Know, knitting it blankets says, and stuff. That's cute. That's cute. I would say it that, says, yeah. take whatever crafting materials you have in your house and make something for your soon-to-be sweetie. And then... Uh, yeah, it, says, it says make a necklace or knitting. Oh my gosh, there you go. <laughs> or like a painting, you know. That one's cute. Okay, yeah, I agree. I think it's cute to have something to look forward to and then mm -hmm. also to do together. Mm -hmm. This one says take a free online class together as a date idea. Mm, not as a date idea. I, like, I, I agree with the first part, taking an online class, but not as a date idea. Like when I want to be learning something, I don't want to be like, also have you know the intention of wanting to make out with this person you know uh -huh. so i am for you know learning a new skill yes that's if a cool you're, thing if you're, to do. if you're gonna use this quarantine to like learn a new skill and like develop some interesting survival skill for when the apocalypse happens you know then use this time to learn that Okay, so not a date, but a good general tip. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one says, bolst this is not a date. This is just individual self-growth. Bolster your vocabulary. And um, the description is, flip through a thesaurus or take online quizzes to test your vocabulary. Okay, yeah. That sounds fun. Okay. That sounds fun. Mm -hmm. Down for words. Cool. Mm -hmm. This one's for sports fans who can't watch sports because mm -hmm. they're canceled. It says, revisit an old game. So they're suggesting you rewatch an old game. That's already happened. Okay, okay, I understand that. I can't relate because, you know, sports, but, um, like, if this were, like, a TV show or, like, a reality show or, like, a movie that I like, I would be, like, so down to, like, re-binge a season. So I would re-binge. I feel like the old game to me, I'm like, that. I feel like they missed the mark of, like, why people like sports. <laughs> like there's a live element and excitement mm -hmm. but I guess you could rewatch it mm -hmm. but yeah like now you have all the time to like pause and rewind and like I mean I don't know anything about sports but I'm sure there's some like plays whatever it's called or like some uh -huh. moves that you would want to analyze and pause and rewind in slow motion and all of that and now that we have all this time you have you know all the time to slow motion your basketball game so. I do love calling uh, sports using like theater terms. Like, ooh, I like the blocking they're doing. <laughs> that fun for me. Okay, this is uh, just for personal. Okay, two more. Organize your spice rack alphabetically or get crazy and do it by cuisine. Oh my gosh. Wait, let me ask my boyfriend this. What? Would you rather organize your spice rack alphabetically or by cuisine? He said by cuisine. By cuisine. So I think the suggestion is just in general organizing it, and those are two ways you can do it. Oh, yeah. Oh so my you gosh. like this. Organize, you responded well. Organizing okay. during this quarantine That's is a really, really good idea. Okay, this is the final one. Um, order and put together some IKEA furniture, and then it says time yourself. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would have, my opinion on that is I think that is, that doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> or building I guess everyone's different. Yeah. No, to me, I'm like, really? on um, what kind of furniture you're building. I like when my boyfriend and I moved in with each other, I quickly learned that it is so much more stressful to build something with drawers than like a table. Mm -hmm. So if you're building like a table or a chair, that's cute. But if you're like building like, you know, a, a whole like side table or like a dresser, then that is 
stressful and you will end up, you know, You'll just end up with like a pile of like random screws and wood that won't yeah. be built for life. Just Allen wrenches. I have a whole drawer. Exactly. Oh my god, me oh too. Yeah. Well, you, thanks for playing. Uh, I feel like we learned a lot about mm. what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you um, and follow you and tell, give us your sort of socials and uh, what you want people to check out? Yes. So I am most active on Instagram which is Drama Del Rosario, D-R-A-M-A-D-E-L-R-O-S-A-R-I-O. Yeah, Instagram is like the platform where I'm most active. My official website is dramadelrosario.com, and that's usually where I post about my films and upcoming screenings, which right now obviously are none because of social distancing. Um... Well, uh, you mentioned, so you can't talk about it now, but I think by the time this comes out, the new projects will be out. So if you let me yeah. know, I'll just put it on the caption. So you yeah, can... for sure. Like, um, who knows? Like, I might, I might put on some, like, online screening dates or, like, Instagram live events on my website. So who knows? Maybe I'll put all that info there. But, yeah, I mean, Instagram and my website are really the only places where I'm active. If you want to add me on Facebook, then go ahead. <laughs> Follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod. Follow me at Larissa T on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Thank you, guys.